video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch when you Hello, want to watch. my name's Justin LeClue, and I'm here today with... Mark Hansen. And you're listening to the Bay Street Video Podcast, where we go through all of this week's new Blu-rays and DVDs. Nope, no, we don't go through all of them. I keep saying that. It's been too long. All the <laughs> you know, notable ones. so many episodes where we went, literally went through every single Blu-ray and DVD that it just... It feels strange that we don't do that anymore, almost. And I used to say the top 10. We don't do top 10. We just pick a bunch of notable ones at this point. Uh, yeah. Un- and you know what? It's not It's not even of the week anymore. I mean, this this is like a like a January wrap-up here. Yeah, but we'll get back <laughs> this to is like a month. the week next yeah, we'll, week. Yeah, we'll get back on it. I admit it's it's mostly my fault because I keep pushing it back all the time. I was like, Mark, you want to do an episode? And he was like, oh, I have Sundance movies to review. I'm in the thick of festival season right now. I still am. I feel like I'm traveling all over the world from behind my computer screen. Have you seen any good movies yet? You know what? Sundance was... I mean, Sundance is cool i guess but like I, I watch these sundance movies and i'm like these are just like studio films with like big celebrities that are just like getting premieres right so it doesn't like whatever like independent spirit sundance maybe had at one point is like totally not there anymore that's not to say i didn't you like gotta go to slam well, that's dance what i was just to gonna that. say i went right from sundance to slam dance and i had a much better time watching movies at slam dance i think in general so moving on to stuff that has been released and you can now purchase at bay street video which is open for browsing it is yeah so you know they lifted the restrictions covid the, uh, is gone they stopped reporting numbers mark it's fine oh, geez apparently they're gonna start driving Dropping math mandates next, right? Oh, I really hope they don't do that. I will continue to wear my mask, even if there's no mask mandate. Day and age now where it just seems like a smart thing to do, you know, <laughs> like pandemic or no, right? I wasn't sick for the last two years. I, I used to get sick like at least twice a I year. I agree, right? I haven't been sick at all in the last two years. But like, you know, you think about like being on cramped subways or just in like crowded stores with people like breathing all over the place. And you're like, yeah, that's that's why we're getting sick all the time. Before. We got to talk about probably the big release of the beginning of the year and that's all the haunts brs the severin folk horror box set oh yeah this is probably i mean at least for me and i think maybe for you one of the most anticipated releases coming out over the last absolutely it's a box set that when i look at it i go i don't know like five to you know five to like all of these movies well i own some of <laughs> yeah. them i'm like oh i own v and uh i a, had a field in england on a field in england i also out, have yeah. but eyes of fire finally out on blu-ray Ooh, first time um which is obviously a big one and that's the one they kind of start the set off with i mean because i we both bought copies of the set and i cracked it open right away and they kind of they don't organize them chronologically or anything. They kind of put them in sort of I think a... they do want you to kind of take it like a program and that this is a recommended order to watch them, which I really like when uh, sets Yeah, do that. so like they start, you know, they have the, the documentary first, but then in the actual films, Eyes of Fire is the first one there. And I feel like that's kind of the the signature one they're kind of leaning on in the set because they did put out an individual Blu-ray and DVD release of it as well, this being People at Severn. And yeah, that's like a great place to start. But this set is just loaded. There are like, what, 25 films on this? TV movies? Short films? Yeah. Um, Booklets. It also has Clear Cut, an amazing Canadian film. So that's my personal, like, that was like kind of the big reason that I wanted to get this at first. Because Clear Cut is just a movie that I feel like nobody really knows about. But almost everybody who went to like who took film classes in Canada has seen it. I never took a film class. Well, actually, I took one film class in Canada and I hated it, but that's a story for another day. That's fair. That's fair. Oh, yeah. I took many bad film classes. <laughs> when I was looking into Canadian film, even though I'm like, oh, it's not a Canadian director. He just came to Canada to shoot it's it. It's true. It's true. But, you know, you could say that about lots of our Canadian content. I do. I would have to kind of separate <laughs> it, which I do in my mind. But the story is very Canadian, though. Yeah. And you've got Graham Greene front and center, who is one of our premier actors, obviously. And yeah, I just remember being shown this in, uh, I think when I was at, when I was at York, second year like Canadian film class or something. And, you know, they showed a lot of the obvious ones. And then they showed this off of just like a VHS tape that the library had, I guess. And it blew everybody away in the class. Like we were all like gripping our seats because this is not your typical sort of like 
Not that, you know, CanCon is boring or bad. That's a bad myth to put out there. Yeah, but, but it's associated you know, with homework. Thing. A lot of CanCon's associated with homework, and you look at this movie at first, and like, oh, okay, you know, Graham Greene's there. Uh, is this yeah, like the like NFB Drylanders sort of film? Like in the woods and everything. It's just like, okay. But, man, this is like, this is violent. This is in your face. The commentary is searing. Um, this is a great, great film. And as far as I'm aware, it's never been released on DVD. It was released on DVD because oh, it? it was an old okay. commentary track that they ported over. Right. But okay. it was, I think, tough to get. And it was a weird distributor that did it as well. There's a scene of violence in this film that you have never seen before that is thematically appropriate. And you're going to be like, oh, my God. And I God. remember when we had we were shown it in our film class, everybody was flinching at that point. It's like we were not expecting to go to like a nine o'clock in the morning class and witness some like grotty torture porn. But like, yeah, it turns into torture porn all of a sudden. But not and I hate torture porn, but this like it works so well within the context of this. And Graham Greene, oh man, probably my favorite performance of his. And he's been in a lot, but I just love him in this movie. And we could talk about all the movies in this box set for a whole like two hour episode. <laughs> but oh man, yeah. If you like, you know, just cinema, you have to pick this up. There's so much in this and like so oh much God, different yeah. stuff as well that you'd be a fool not to pick it up. And I'm sure it's probably going to go out of print soon. A lot of these films get individual releases, but like the TV movies won't. Like, they will probably only exist on this box set. That's the thing. It's not just the films on the surface, too. There are so many extras with, yeah, TV movies, shorts, and everything. And I feel like, yeah, this is going to be the kind of set that you buy, and then you just kind of, like, slowly work through for years and just keep discovering things, I mean, right? Clear Cut has a commentary with, like, indigenous historians, scholars. So there's so much. Like, this is a labor of love. Of I'm not sure who the producers were beyond David Gregory and uh, Kayla Janice, who also directed the documentary documentary that's on this disc but thank you to everybody who put this together oh man yeah and one final just suggestion about one that i'm uh, excited about in this is the debut of uh lake of the dead the 50s wait did you finally watch it i haven't watched it yet i, I, I hear will it's watch not it, so though. hot but i know is you were excited good? about checking it out exciting so yeah i'm really excited about lake of the dead because it's it's uh, apparently credited as the first Norwegian horror film based on a book that's like a classic of Norwegian literature. But they re they did a remake of it a couple years ago. It was on Netflix, also a Norwegian film. Terrible, terrible movie. But that's kind of what turned me on to wanting to see the original. And it just, again, never been available or anything. But... Yeah, I've been really wanting to check this one out. So just the fact that they found these like small little films and just it's such a comprehensive set that spans like so many different countries. Like this is just a, a must have for any film lover, whether you're into like horror or not. Oh, have I put my uh, hat in the ring? Please contact me. I would like to be involved with <laughs> do it. it, Severin. What do you got to lose? Nothing. I, it, nothing. it will cost you nothing. I'll do it for free. Do it for free. Look at this. You can't get a better deal than this, Severin. Since I, know I have Severin, an audience Severin is listening of hundreds right of people that will be interested <laughs> in what I have no, to say. Hundreds of people is nothing to shake your fist at, you know? Moving on, we have a, a Bava release from Arrow. Is there any Bava film that has not been a mind yet? Yeah, I mean, this was one of the last ones that still hadn't gotten a Blu-ray 4K, release. 4K, baby! I know, go I know. I gotta say, though, this is actually one of my favorite Bava films. I don't know if that's a controversial opinion or not. Uh, but, I guess, because um, it's one of his last ones. I know it's ones. like his... Last, I think it's his last one, right? Like his very last one? Uh, no, he made Rabbit oh. Dogs after this, and okay. I believe it didn't get released in his uh, lifetime. Right. It was completed by his son, and then another version was done by Tim Lucas. I mean, Shock has my favorite scare oh, of all yeah. time. Oh, yeah, I know what you're Which I think about. of all the time, <laughs> and it's so goofy, and James Wan ripped it off in one of the Conjuring films, I think. But it's funnier in this version because it involves like a bloody naked man. <laughs> it's so unexpected. Like, yeah, it's silly, I guess. But I remember the first time I saw this it movie. Is. I mean, when someone explained it to me, I just right? laughed. And but the laughed first time I saw this movie, it legitimately frightened me only because I wasn't expecting it at all. Um, but yeah, I just find this movie has a really awesome mood to it. I it's just it's just really hypnotic. I mean, I guess you could say that of a lot of his stuff, but for some reason, this one particularly worked for me. But yeah, I think this was this was released as a Beyond the Door sequel initially, right? Or like it was supposed to be a Beyond yeah, the Door like sequel, Beyond the Door yeah. three or but something like that. This is like far more like 
coherently, cohesively put together than any of the like beyond the door movies, you know. So moving on, we have Cinema of Discovery from Julien Duvigny in the 1920s. Another one of the hey, wait, Flickr Alley has another box set. <laughs> Come on, Flickr Alley, work on your social media. They're in a good like one every two month kind of release pattern right now. So I feel it's like two to three a month the way they've been no, going. I think it's mostly been one a month. They had this one. They had the in the shadow of Hollywood set like the month or two. Well, bef- they had the noir films as well. Those that was them. That was them too. You're right. You're right. The bitter stems yeah. and the beast must die. They have another one. I believe you haven't received yet well, as well. Like repeat a noir. performance. Is that the one you're talking about? Yeah. yeah. Uh, some, yeah. Something like that. So yeah. that's coming out. It actually got delayed till the 22nd of February. So yeah, it was supposed to come out earlier, but Act Flickr Alley delayed it themselves. And so this one is about a French director. It doesn't really get talked about that much, but he was incredibly prolific. He some of his movies are on Criterion because they did a set of Julien Duvignier in the 30s. Some of these films on the set have never been released ever. Like if you look on Letterboxd, no one has actually reviewed them and they're existing for the first time here. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think these are like real lost treasures here. Um, and again, Flickr Alley in typical form does an incredible job on their sets. Uh, Blu-ray and DVD on these bad boys. So, you know, it's good for everybody. This was a restoration project from Lobster Films in France that I believe they've been working on like 15 years. And there's a lot of movies on this set too, like uh, more than 10. And if you want to know what this filmmaker's like, he was kind of like Orson Wellesian. He was a big fan of that of Orson Welles. And also people said that he kind of like pioneered poetic realism. And there's all sorts of films on this. There's like a religious drama. There's like a pastiche of serials. There is comedies. There's a whole bunch on this. So, you know, definitely something to check out. We also have two art house 90s hits being released by Criterion. Jane Campion's The Piano and The Celebration. Not by Jane Campion. What's the name of the director? Thomas Vinterberg. This was uh, The Celebration part of his Dogma 95 wave. I love The Celebration. The most uh, dynamic film about um, dealing with being abused as a child you will ever see. Oh my God. Scathingly funny too. And probably this was the first Dogma film, I believe, right? The very first oh, one? Oh, was it? There wasn't one before I that we just don't talk th- about yeah, anymore? Yeah, I'm trying to think. Like, maybe there was. No, I think this was the first one. And still, for me, I mean, I love that whole movement because I just think it's great. But um, this was the best one for me. Still is the best one. And Are you a fan of Jane Campion's The I Piano? I am, yeah. I've always been a fan. I mean, it's been a while since I've seen it. i got to revisit it. But I guess, you know, now's the perfect time since she's winning accolades for uh, The Power of the Dog. I guess I'm sure that factored into Criterion's release plans for this Were one. Were people big fans? because from top of the lake and top of the lake china you know, girl. I, I haven't seen china girl but i really liked the first top of the lake i thought that was excellent what? you watch television what's going on who am i talking to you know it was a little more cinematic so i could i could ju- i could make it seem like i was watching a long movie or something you know it's so gorgeous too i just i, I really like that series i'm not as crazy about um power of the dog as a lot of people are right now i still think it's really good but wait uh, you watched it but it's a netflix film man mark you're throwing for me for a loop today i saw this back at tiff i saw this back at tiff because i was supposed to potentially be covering it and then it got you know thrown to somebody else um but i enjoyed it yeah because you're right i typically probably wouldn't have seen this one that one by now but i do feel like a lot of kind of what she's doing in the power of the dog she's already sort of done in movies like the piano so yeah, I, I really dug the piano, though, um, and I've been wanting to pick up. Uh, I'm glad they've re-released it because it's been notoriously out of print for I was years. befuddled to learn today that there is a new film by Jean-Pierre Jeunet that I've never heard of that just popped up on Netflix. Oh, really? What's uh... well, The 2001 me would be like, what? I got to <laughs> check this out. Wow. that Jean-Pierre Jeunet is a filmmaker I really never think about anymore. No, I mean, he had Emily, and then who could forget a very long engagement? Okay. You know, I never actually saw that movie. I saw that one, yeah. He had that one that never really came out about the kid. Right. He had the extraordinary adventures of Adventures of something, something. I watched it. Not Not good. good. Yeah. Well, we always have Alien Resurrection. That's the best one, right? (laughs) So a new imprint title has come out, Outrage from 1950. I'm not familiar with this one, but... 
did you put this on this list because you got new prices for imprints? We did. Uh, that's not why I mostly put this one on the list, though, because and I still haven't. Seen hasn't this come out in a box set? Because it's the Ida Lupino it film, right? Hasn't. So you'd think it would have, but it was not in that Kino set. And this was um, a notable omission, at least for me, from that set. Um, I still haven't seen this one yet, but I've been meaning to for years. They played it at at the tiff bell Lightbox here in toronto years ago when they were doing a retrospective and it was kind of like the first time it had screened in years basically a movie about a woman that ida lupino made in the 50s about a woman who gets raped and how that um, affects her life and like which at the time was like really contentious controversial stuff uh, and then it's just never really seen the light of day on physical media i mean i think it was maybe on vhs but in terms of dvd blu-ray it's kind of been hard to get uh, and now here it is from imprint in a glorious new special edition. And yeah, like you said, we have better prices on imprint now. They're coming down. They're a new still supplier. expensive. I mean, they're still expensive. But they're not looking... $65.99 like breakdown That's the thing. was. You're, you're looking at more like criterion level prices now, like 40 to 45 as opposed to like 65 to 70. Ridiculous. <laughs> that was ridiculous for something that like, well, these releases are good. Again, they're not that good like they're not like you don't need to pay that much for yeah one. what are these laser discs i know right? moving on to the vinegar syndrome corner and their many many arms we have arabato arabato aka rapture uh from altered innocence and this movie rocks i love this, this is movie. wild yeah i saw this for the first time at your uh um, 24 hour movie, movie marathon, marathon 24 hour movie marathon back in october i think it played at this, right? midnight or 1 a.m or something like that yeah this is the one i tuned into because i know it was it was start yeah at that time they were about to release it too i think back in theaters in new york i believe and it was getting that new restoration and i just always had heard a lot about this movie so i was stoked you were playing it and yeah, this is definitely not, you know, I thought it was an interesting inclusion in your uh, marathon because I feel for like for anybody who's expecting just like a good time horror movie or just a regular kind of conventional horror movie in general. This is not that at all. No, my rules are after midnight and it probably played at like one thirty-two. Yeah. I play the most surreal and unsettling movies I can think of. Right. So if you're like kind of falling in and out of sleep, you're like, what am I watching? Exactly. And this is the perfect movie for that uh, because, yeah, it's more just about, you know, the act of filmmaking and um, people they, like addiction. It was made by a hair like the director was a heroin addict. Yeah. And you can tell right by the way the uh, the lead character uh, proceeds through this film. Um, it's it's just a movie. I'm having a hard time like actually describing it it's just an indescribable kind of experience it's about uh two guys who become friends one of them is a filmmaker who films his entire life and then the guy who's kind of getting into this filmmaker's life who's also a filmmaker finds out that like film itself is sucking the life out of him yeah yeah and he just can't stop like it's basically it, like i mean metaphorically and also literally about a blood-sucking projector but you know it doesn't like jump on him and suck his blood. Exactly. Or that's like that. the thing. I feel like in describing this, you're still probably like conjuring images of like, like more overt horror movie images, but yeah, it's not like that. It's like very subtle in the way it kind of sneaks up and unnerves you. Yeah. Really, really dug this movie. I mean, I've read this as Pedro Almodovar's favorite horror movie to me. <laughs> I believe the director of this uh, worked with him yeah, on his so, posters, right? I believe. Not much about this director. I'm, I feel like you probably know more, but I don't there think There is I'd a documentary ever... on this disc and a commentary. I, I think I complained about that when they announced it. I was like, give me a commentary, and they did. And they did, so. eh? Interesting, because he's... Yeah, I, I just had never really... I'd heard about this film and this title, but I never really knew much about him as a filmmaker, but this was definitely one of the bigger kind of discoveries for myself last and year. And Vinegar Syndrome Proper also released two films, New York Ninja, which is a film that they completely constructed from the raw materials. Yeah, so what's the story behind this Well, one? so they bought a lot of film from a distributor, and in that lot there was some boxes that said New York Ninja, and they were like, what is this? And it was a uh, martial arts film directed and starring and written, produced by John Liu, a pretty famous kind of old school martial artist. He was a super kicker who had a huge ego who, and went on to uh, make his own movies about Zen Kwon Do, a martial arts that he made. And in the movies, you know, he fucks and he has fun. And so this was one of his last movies he directed. I guess they ran out of money. They couldn't complete it, but they still had the negative. And one of the employees of Vinegar Syndrome was like, what if I put this together? And he did. 
and he didn't really know like how it was supposed to go. They didn't have a script. Uh, the numbers on the slates made no sense if you tried to put them in order. So they did their best through lip reading to put a movie together and they had to redub it because there was no sound and they got a cast of all-stars like uh, Don the Dragon Wilson who voices the protagonist. And what's best about it is it's not a joke. Like they don't try to make it what's up Tiger Lily. No, they really like this is if if nothing else, this is like a real feat of like editing and or just like trying to recontextualize footage and or just even make it seem like it came from the era it was made like if you showed me this film and you didn't tell me anything about it i was like oh yeah it probably just came out in the 80s like i i don't think i would have many doubts of like oh this was recently made and essentially written i think the one thing that made the, the score yes, seems the a score little seems a little like hey you like uh, synthesizers but like more it follows style synthesizers exactly yeah so i would say the score is a little more modern but yeah in terms of the voice work i mean it's amazing that they i mean i guess so did they come up with a story like did they really just try and focus on the lip syncing and I try think and they make did the focus on lip syncing because it that. doesn't go out of sync that much like if you watch it carefully it doesn't yeah like I was trying to trying to like really pay attention to it as I was watching it it seemed like it lined up pretty well to the point where I thought they did maybe have a script but then I read after that they didn't even have that so that's it's pretty extraordinary to me to be able to create this experience and the film is so weird on its own there's like a melting man there's like ninjas on roller skates that's the thing it really like brings up a lot of questions as to like what was the initial motivation behind a lot of these i don't even think they did any reshoots either to like uh pad it out which it feels like the film is incomplete you're like i don't what is going on yeah it almost feels like test reel footage at time because you're right like the roller i love the roller skate moment so when you know john lou decides to become this vigilante ninja or whatever most and it's mostly to just beat up these punks who like just consistently harass and assault women on the streets of new york i mean there are so many almost sexual assaults in this movie that are then interrupted by a ninja oh my god it's chock full of but like interrupted at the last second too you know like he lets them go on for so long sometimes before he ends up showing up but yeah so he shows up in roller skates at one point great scene he's like (laughs) So I thought he was going to be like a roller skate in New York Ninja. But no, that's that's kind of like the only time. Just one scene he decided to throw on Just one roller scene. Skates. I love the New York in this film because they're clearly shooting without permits and everyone is so confused. That's great. I love it. Oh, yeah. It definitely has a great sort of, yeah, just DIY, like guerrilla style filmmaking and... Uh, yeah, it was fun. And you put Creature here from 1995, William Malone's Alien ripoff. Did you I watch did, it? Yeah, I put this down because I have just always had a soft spot for William Malone ever since I was a kid and, you know, loved House on Haunted Hill and Fear.com. Very nice guy. I've chatted with him on Facebook. Yeah, I've heard that. I know people are friends with him on Facebook and everything. So I don't know. I just like I have a real love for his like double feature of House on Haunted Hill and Fear.com when I was a kid that I remember looking him up at that age and seeing reading about Creature but I think at that point it hadn't really I know it was kind of in the public domain but it hadn't really been released on like a good looking disc or anything I just had trouble finding it this was like before the ages age of torrenting and everything I just have never gotten around to this until now and it until they finally brought it out and I'm glad I waited because it looks gorgeous on this disc even if it is just like a total alien ripoff, like from be- from beginning to end. I would recommend not to watch the director's cut because... Yeah, I saw you write that uh, maybe on Letterboxd. Or it something. is very dark and difficult to see. And it is completely different than the theatrical version, which looks pristine and is really easy to watch. Like I found myself like squinting, being like, I don't know what's going on in some of these scenes. Okay. Yeah, I watched the theatrical and it was crisp. And I hear unfortunately that the DVD that William Malone released himself actually looked better, which is confusing of the director's cut. Ah, but maybe it's because they right. just didn't have any um like the same print that they could scan. I'm sure Vigor Syndrome did all that they could. What's weird is they didn't port over the William Malone commentary, and William Malone supposedly said that he had nothing to do with this release, which is weird because there's a new interview with him. So, like, did they bowfinger him or something? What happened there, guys? Um, Yeah, that's disappointing because I would love to know more about that. I mean, this really, even though it's an alien ripoff, it just has so much 
it just had so much love and care put into it that I still just had a lot of fun with it. And the the monster, I the monster was a lot of fun. And I don't know, it, Klaus Kinski is just off the rails as he's he barely in this is. movie though. He just kind of shows is, up. Yeah, and I love how when he shows up, he immediately like sexually assaults one of the actresses too. And then I was reading. Oh, the, you love that? Oh wait, I think I hear sarcasm on your. Uh, voice. And then I was reading in the trivia after that, like uh, that wasn't in the script, and that that was just a choice by him. And I'm like, of course, like I didn't even need to read that to know that was true. We've also got from Saturn's core, the shot on video partner label of Vinegar Syndrome, Savage Harvest by Eric Stanze, a favorite of mine. It's a shot on video, evil dead ripoff. And it's just, you know, well-constructed, slow, very talky. But once it gets to the monsters running around, I I just enjoy this movie quite a bit. Okay, yeah, I've never seen this one, but I am definitely, I'm always interested in these Saturn's core releases because it kind of reminds me of the the Intervision um, wave of, yeah, it's just all like grimy SOV stuff, which is totally up my alley. But no, I never got around to this one. Um, The DVD, it was really hard to come by because it was released directly by Eric Stanze. But this release brings it, all the stuff that was on there, like there was a documentary that's really good about how difficult the production was and how disappointed he was in the final movie. There's also a really fun 35-minute doc about going to a shot-on-video marathon at a drive-in and just their experiences there and being like, wow, people actually care about this movie. And, you know, that that stuff is always fun. Nice, nice. Yeah, no, I will definitely check this one out. What is Assholes? Assholes. So this is another release from one of the par- I can't even remember what the partner label is anymore that put this out this is a recent movie though from four or five years ago that Breaking Glass initially put out on DVD and now it's been snapped up by one of these partner labels um, so Assholes is an N- New York indie film uh, directed by Peter Vack who's kind of like a actor writer director on the like indie film scene it's kind of bringing back there's sort of this reemergence of sort of like the New York cinema of transgression kind of these days with like younger filmmakers making really sort of like in your face gross out transgressive kind of stuff and this definitely fits the bill it's like a total weirdo gross out horror comedy about uh, two like you know millennial new yorkers who yeah like the, the plot description says they're like literally assholes because they literally they're horrible people they kind of start a relationship and then they start it goes into extreme body horror territory where they start developing gross zits and there's just shit and blood and pus everywhere all over this movie and yet somehow it's really really entertaining and fun and i mean i would never recommend this to anybody who's like super squeamish or easily offended yeah keep your pc opinions at the door says mark hansen yeah i know right it definitely walks a fine line so i don't know you know it's one of those things that i give like a hesitant recommendation to people i mean if someone says give me something gross then you could hand them this nowadays transgressive cinema is harder to come by because obviously a lot of cinema that's could be transgressive these days is just sort of like right wing or offensive or uh yeah like racist homophobe you know and i so i find i find it rare to see a film that kind of is transgressive and pushes boundaries without you know offending me or anything like that and this does that well for me i mean it might not for other people but i I know critical reaction was very poor on this when it came out even though it won some awards and did well on the festival circuit but yeah i don't know i really like this movie and peter vax a guy you probably recognize he was recently in private chat a movie with julia fox which i really don't i mean talked about this. i don't think anyone um, listening to this would recognize him from private chat unless you listen to this podcast yeah i mean he's just one of those guys you see in a ton of like indie films around new york over the last decade or so um the next two films i haven't actually seen the original the bad news bears i've definitely seen its remake which you also put on this list and remember nothing about it (laughs) well both of these are coming out on blu-ray from paramount a little double feature here and i will uh, i'm in the same boat as you i had seen the remake when it came out because i was just obsessed with richard linklater and i was just watching everything that would come out from him even though i hadn't seen the original and yeah, I didn't think much of it. I I thought it was kind of just like him trying to redo the School of well, Rock. Well, it was made to capitalize on the success of, yeah, School right? of Rock. So, but I found it was just kind of like 
a less fun, just like a kind of lazier version of School of Rock. But you know what? I'd never seen the original until this week. I finally watched it because I've been meaning to watch this for years because, I mean, you know me, I'm a kids sports movies are like my bread and butter i love those and yet and like i've seen every single one from the 90s and from when i grew up for some reason bad news bears which i guess is kind of like the prototypical original kids sports movie right is just one that had passed me by i'd never seen any of that series so i finally sat down with it this week and i quite enjoyed it even though i will say it's super un pc which i had known going into it these kids are filthy what they say and I think the problem is it, I mean, I think it's pretty well known that these kids spout like racial homophobic epithets throughout, especially one of the kids. And I think they tried to get away with it because they're, they're kids, right? They're, they're ignorant. They don't know what they're saying. The classic Sarah Silverman defense. Exactly. Right. And the fact that because the team is actually diverse there, they put one kid says these vile things and then the other kids kind of push back against it and everything. But at the end of the day, it doesn't actually feel like the way kids really talk, you know, and it is dialogue written by like, Well, the problem is it's also something that becomes dominant culture and then kids talk that's like the thing, that. And the way they treat the, like the, the slurs that get thrown around is purely just for like comedy. And at the end of the day, this is written by an adult man who is putting his comedic views onto the screen. So it's like, I, I don't know. And he's like an adult white man, so... I didn't throw that many racial slurs around when I was a kid, but I should also note that there wasn't that many non-white kids around. There may be like That's true, two or yeah. three. No, I same here, town. same here. I lived in a largely white but, town. But, oh man, did we call each other gay all the time. Oh, well, that's the thing, yeah. And same here, The I'm horrified by the amount of like homophobia that was thrown around Like, if you youth. went back and listened to yourself in like the 90s, talk with your friends, you'd be like, oh... Boy, oh that's my rough. God. <laughs> well, I remember we used to throw around like the F word and stuff, just like not even know, but just like a pure, not even like as a home. Well, it is homophobic, but not even as. Yeah, because like, it was just in your parlance. Direct, it was just like an in. It was just a it was like saying any other like not OK, like uh, insult back then. But you just didn't really know what it was. And then as soon as you grow up, you're like, oh, my God. Wow. Where, like, I, I'm so fascinated about like where that stems from, probably from movies like the Bad News Bears. Exactly. <laughs> and that's the thing. So I get why the filmmakers thought like, oh, this is how kids talk. But even considering that kids throw around stuff like that, the way it's written in this movie is just so very obviously kind of like scripted. I still not that I don't believe kids wouldn't maybe throw around those words, but not necessarily in the way that it's done to comedic effect in these movies so taking that into account it's like uh, this comedy we are not passing this film for the ontario censor board exactly this comedy does not hold up but having said that i still thought, thought this was like pretty interestingly filmed it definitely has that um 70s new hollywood vibe more so than i thought And you love walter matthau right something mark has never said but i'm just putting on I him could, i could take or leave walter matthau he's fine I, I like him but uh he's good in this role but i just like there's a real like naturalism to it the way it's shot and everything it's very um like documentary style it just reminds me of a lot of other like 70s new hollywood staples but it just happens to be like a kid's sports movie and it's fun and yeah despite the you know racist stuff the kids are you know adorable it's fun seeing jackie earl haley. i totally forgot jackie earl haley was like the the kind of star kid in this one he, he was a child actor before he like he was came a child back. actor I, yeah i totally forgot about that because he, he was in all three of them yeah i just had a good time with this and you can see how it was a huge influence on something like the mighty ducks like in terms of just the way the team is made up and just a lot of the way they act and the way the story progresses so yeah this is a hugely influential on the kids sports movie genre in general and it looks pretty good on blu-ray even though it's kind of a bare there's a few features on it but it's just kind of a standard paramount release and you're gonna go to the bat for the richard linklater version too uh no i mean the richard linklater version i just like you i just kind of was bored by and don't really remember much about it there's an amazing interview on the gilbert godfrey's amazing colossal podcast with the director of bad santa terry i always get his name wrong zygoff zygoff Zygoff, and he talks yeah. about how monstrous billy bob thornton is <laughs> as an actor <laughs> really? on set and every time i see him now i'm like oh the poor director to the point that like he talked to harold ramus before harold ramus was supposed to shoot the ice harvest 
And he's like, should I tell him about Billy Bob? He's already been cast. Nah, I won't. And Harold <laughs> Ramis called him after he finished shooting. He's like, why didn't you tell me how awful wow. Billy Bob Thornton was? Yeah, I'd heard rumors that he was kind of an asshole, but I didn't know he was like that much of an asshole that he was like, you know, just pissing off directors left, right, and center. I don't know. I've always liked Billy Bob Thornton as an actor. Oh, he's super I like fun. Him, but... but I hear he had also problems with alcohol. Yeah. And... Well, one of the most legendary clips I remember seeing of him was when he was on, uh, you know, Gian Gomeshi's show back in the Wait, day. Wait, no. Who, what is that name? It's like a blank space. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. mean anything. <laughs> Let's never talk about him again until now. But I don't want to talk about my uh, my acting. I want to talk I about know, my he's music. He's such a dick towards Gian Gomeshi, which in retrospect, totally well deserved like it's hilarious watching it now but at the time he's like oh my god this is the worst guest ever so we also have a few paramount releases going ape the relic and juice in 4k all right going, going ape. ape yeah so i haven't seen this we should have picked it for I, I, a blind I, buy oh no you no, had no, seen i it? haven't seen this but i you know when i first first showed you the or sent you a photo of this coming in i thought for sure you're gonna jump all over this for blind buy i've never seen this and honestly i don't think i'd even heard about this i don't think i've heard about it either i mean listen to these stars though tony danza uh jessica walters stacy nelkin what is she from i recognize her oh she's from um get crazy and halloween 3 season of the witch and mr danny devito is in here i love danny devito he's the best is there anyone who hates Danny DeVito? Not me, that's for sure. Not His me. politics rock, too. So it's like, I've always as a person, been a huge awesome. fan. I mean, we all grew up with him, right? He was sort of like, he was like a dad. Well, Danny DeVito is one of those guys where it's almost like unbelievable how popular he was that he like led movies too. And Going Ape, it's him with a bunch of orangutans. You know, my issue is I don't like movies with real monkeys in it because I feel like they are seconds away from ripping off genitals, lips, and eyebrows. Oh, it's true. It's true. I, I mean, I'm a big monkey man myself, so I was definitely intrigued by this. And I see that this was... Mark Monkey Man Hansen. I mean, that's your nickname. Uh, and this was written and directed by the guy who wrote the Clint Eastwood ape movies every which way but loose oh man he had a lane and he followed it every which way but loose this is the only directorial credit he has and one of only three writing credits he has with the two clint eastwood movies. my favorite every which way but loose related thing is the uh joke on the critic where it's like they're watching that movie and uh clint eastwood goes i'm just going to uh get into bed and kiss you without turning on the lights or questioning (laughs) why you don't actually feel like a woman <laughs> which always happens in these movies <laughs> so good so good and we also have the relic so this is the classic peter himes relic classic. version right yes it is wait didn't from this come out on blu-ray recently yeah uh, well this was just a late arrival there this uh came out back at October, I want to say, but because of our ridiculous supply chain issues, we never ended up getting it till now. And I like this movie. I wish it had a special edition. Uh, Peter Himes is usually pretty available too. It feels like something that should be a shout factory, but you know, it's Paramount. Yeah, it's so. weird when they announced, when Paramount announced this was coming out on Blu-ray, just in, yeah, bare bones edition. I thought this would be prime fodder for a shout factory release because they do a lot of Paramount titles too. So I'm not sure. Maybe it'll come down the road at some point. I actually saw this for the first time, though, like back in, I guess, last October. Yeah, I watched it for when I was doing Spooktober and just was watching scary movies. I was a little disappointed. I think I'd hype myself up too much for it because it was one of those movies that like I just remember always like the poster is so vivid and just when I was a kid and I just never saw it at the time. Uh, I found it was a lot of like walking around dark hallways, though, at a certain You love point. Resident Evil. That's all walking down dark hallways, hey, too. You know what? I agree. The monster stuff is great. Maybe it was just because I watched it before this Blu ray came out. So I just watched the old DVD, which is not great looking. And uh, Peter Hines yeah, is the... pretty famous for making films that are uh, unseeable. So I feel like the darkness probably continues on That's true. That's true. I feel like it might have been a little bit more enhanced on Blu ray, though. So. <laughs> Yeah, but I can see why this has its fans. And uh, we also have Juice, which 
Did we talk about this on an episode when it was released on Blu-ray? I don't know. I couldn't remember. I just put it on I mean, I'm here. a fan of this one. Ernest Dickerson. That's the thing. Uh, I just put it on. I know we usually don't talk about 4K UHD releases, even though you do have a player now, right? Well, okay. So technically, I do have a device that plays 4Ks, but it's my uh, Blu-ray drive on my computer, and I do not have a 4K screen. Okay, okay. Well, yeah, so... I get, you know, we don't usually talk about 4K releases, but, you know, I just love Juice so much, and it's just so good. And, yeah, maybe we talked about this when it first came out on Blu-ray, which I bought, so I don't really... And that Blu-ray was something that Ernest Dickerson and his wife fought really hard for it to come out. That was a nice addition, too. Uh, I remember picking it up. It was, like, really cheap and everything, but it was, like, got tons of extras on it. It's really cool. And now they've basically just kind of taken that same edition and just upgraded it to 4K. But, you know, any chance to talk about Juice, I'm all for it because it is a great movie and definitely an underrated 90s classic. Although I think more people are kind of coming around to it. I feel like Ernest Dickerson is getting a lot more. I'm more of a fan of New Jack City said yeah, no one. Yeah, New Jack City, <laughs> not good. I do like to yell, New Jack City, <laughs> New Jack City. That's a joke for uh, any Damon Packard Fatal oh, Pulse fan. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> New Jack City. New, New Jack City was a huge hit, though, and that kind of started the wave. Yeah, of... You know, New Jack City was a really disappointing watch for me. I mean, years ago. Very colorful, I though. I remember seeing it in like university, I think. It was one of those like I've been wanting to get to for years. And I finally watched it and I was like, eh, it's okay. I don't know. That movie looks like a Dario Argento. It film. does, yeah. That's what I oh, remember. It totally about has, it. Yeah, it has a good look for sure. I just I mean, I love Melvin uh, Mario Van Peebles. I always get Mario and Melvin confused. Their names yeah. are too similar. <laughs> uh Mario Van Peebles, like he's so stylish, he but is. his movies don't always work. Even though I do really love Posse. You know, I haven't seen that. I gotta watch that because Billy Zane is in that too. Yeah, right? I think he's the villain in the film. That movie has a wild cast. That's the thing about Mario Van Peebles, is due to the success of New Jack City, he kind of like spent all his capital on like making an like all black western, and then he made a film about the Black Panther. No, a pretty prolific career it's just kind of the quality of his movies and i guess the budgets and everything kind of got lower and lower as they went along yeah after the black panther films like just that's it he made a film called gang in blue and then i believe the next one was like shot on digital love kills yeah he still makes movies though i mean there was something recently that he directed i can't remember what it well was he did now, the nicholas but... cage u.s right um... of course yes he did that so he's done a lot of stuff like that like real cheapo vod uh, stuff but yeah i wish he could get another budget but i you know maybe it's just not in him anymore like if you know what no, I mean. that's fair i, I get it I get it. He had a good But run. give me that special edition of Posse. I'm really... Why hasn't it come out yet? That's weird. Dear, oh, you know what? I think that is coming out on Blu-ray soon. That just rang a bell in me. There is a new label that just came out called Sandpiper Pictures. Have you heard of them? No, not at all. Yeah, they just started releasing stuff like beginning of this year. And I believe... We don't have any other stuff in yet, but it's coming. I believe Posse was one of them. It is. It does is not it? look like okay. a special edition. No, because when I, I, I searched they're... it, what came out was oldies.com, where like public domain and cheapo Blu-rays well, go to die. They look like almost like an olive films, the way they're package too which they never notoriously never really had special features either so but we will be getting this in on blu-ray soon so i will have to check this out for us there to is a wild sequel to posse have you ever heard about this? i have heard about this i haven't seen that either is directed of these movies, by uh, the recently um passed away jean-marc valet yes i remember reading when i was one time you know, researching Jean-Marc Vallée for some reason, I came across It's that. called Los Locos, and it's supposed to be bonkers. I've never seen it. Yeah, and that's never been released. N- I believe, uh, yeah, VHS only is where it's existed, yeah. But maybe it's like on Tubi or something like that. Like, sometimes those movies suddenly pop up. You think it would, right? Yeah. Okay, now let's move on to a movie that me and Mark obviously love. And by that I mean we watched, <laughs> at least I did, hundreds we of times a lot. <laughs> and that is oh yeah hundreds Jim Carrey's liar liar which i assume shout couldn't put out the relic because they had to focus all of their yeah, all of their fo- time and effort on liar liar because this is a shout select edition too so one of their you know premium lines i guess <laughs> that means nothing since they're usually don't ha- i think this has some new features on it though wow does it did they get um tom the director of the film to move out of his shack <laughs> Yeah, yeah, maybe. They went and hunted him down. Oh, I forgot. That guy, 
like he directed that really noxious the guy got accused of rape but he was innocent movie. yes uh what was it called we talked about this on the podcast when it came out i can't remember but yeah i know what you're talking about that was his most recent effort i think but yeah back in the 90s and early 2000s he was i mean one of jim carrey's go-to directors and just a go-to like major hollywood comedy director in general tom shadiak liar liar i remember Loving the scene where he fights with himself, Fight Club style. Yeah, I love that too. Uh, the also, pen, the, the scene where he's thing. in the elevator yeah, yeah. and he goes, it was me! me! I think about that all the time. Oh my God, yeah. Me and my brother used to say that to each other all the time when we were kids. But all the other bad dad schmaltzy stuff in this yeah. movie, no thank yeah, you. Yeah, I got to admit, this movie is not good. Um, it's probably potentially the weakest jim carrey movie in that 90s run for me at least i'm trying to think if there was a worse one but uh a little film called bruce almighty well that was 2000s though that was like getting i know into... but i i consider it part of that funny man jim carrey run. it's been a while but i didn't mind bruce almighty uh, i remember being stone-faced through bruce almighty <laughs> even the steve carell bit when he's like making him talk. yeah that's fine uh that was a tom shadiak production as well wasn't it because he also did the sequel he did that Evan broke almighty him. <laughs> yeah that was a tom shadiak one um yeah liar liar it's just i remember this was just like the big deal in my household like as soon as this came out i had to go see it rented again like i you're right we, i watched this movie so many times but i don't think i ever really loved it even as a kid as much as i loved other jim carrey movies I mean, at that time dumb and dumber is the best yeah i mean everyone loved ace ventura uh when nature calls <laughs> the classic sequel oh yeah love both of those you uh, know. well ace ventura when nature calls many valentines ago me and emily watched it and happy gilmore and happy gilmore holds up hilarious yeah, ace ventura when nature calls not no? so much, except for the rhino scene, which is one of the which funniest great. things ever one of the put funniest, on screen. Yeah, really one of the funniest things, yeah, ever put on film in, like, the history of the medium. Uh, I think she made me a Valentine's card that was me and you could pull me out of a rhino's ah, butt. That's so good. I love it. Yeah, unfortunately, Liar Liar does not have, even though there are some good moments in it, it doesn't have anything quite as memorable as any of his other movies from that time. I mean, listen, the only movies that he has is like Ace Ventura, The Mask, Dumb and Dumber, The Cable Guy. That was not a favorite of mine when I was a kid. That's though. more like a dark comedy. Yeah, that, that grows on you. And then I guess it was more dramatic stuff like The Truman Show and Man on the Moon, which were both great. Dramas but... like Me, Myself, and Irene. Yes, of course. Me, my, you know, Me, Myself, and Irene, I loved as a kid, too. Where's where's that coming out on a special edition? Isn't it wild that there was a Dumb and Dumber sequel and we just kind of like, yeah, oh, yeah, we forgot. I, we don't talk yeah, about I that. I went to see that at a press screening when it came out because I was like... I was so excited for that movie when it came out. Even knowing it was probably going to be bad. I was like ready for it. Oscar winner Peter Fairley. Yeah. And I you want to talk about sitting stone faced through a movie? I don't think I've sat stone faced through a movie as much as Dumb and Dumber 2 in, in many years. I was like, they are just too mean in this movie. Like they just don't understand what they yeah, put was it funny. Takes the the outtakes, like the extended version of the original Dumb and You mean the deleted scenes, yeah, which are not good and should have been cut out of the movie. I still like, I don't understand why people aren't more mad about that. The extended version of Dumb and Dumber, which is all you can get now on DVD or Blu-ray. Uh, can't you watch a theatrical version on the disc? Doesn't it give you a choice? Nope. It is just, Ugh. Ugh. I know, and the original DVD of it, long out of print. The only way you can get it on DVD or Blu-ray is the unrated version. And it's terrible. It totally ruins the flow of the movie. It makes them so much meaner. It just, it ruins it. And yet, I feel like they took that aspect of it and blew it up to, like, a thousand for the sequel, which just makes them even more meaner and, like, just ruder. And just, like, they're just assholes in it. And it's like, I get they're, su they're supposed to be lovable assholes, though, you know? Yeah, they're supposed to be kind of ignorant. Yeah, that's, like, that's the, the joke. That's why thing. it's fun to they're watch them. They're supposed to be actively ah, Samsonite! Mean. I was way off! Even though... They are mean at the end of the movie, but it's in such a lovable way with like the diarrhea stuff. Well, that's why it's so genius, right? They walk such a good, uh, walk such a fine line, and then the see. I don't even know why they bothered with the sequel because they clearly had no idea how to. But then at the same time, you can tell they're just like redoing every bit from the first one 
in like a slightly different context is just terrible. I gotta say though the Peter Farrelly's version of the Three Stooges hilarious you like, know I still haven't seen that I think that's the one Farrelly movie I haven't seen it is so good I've watched it almost once every two years I'll just watch it and be like yeah everyone's committed really like they that. treat these characters seriously and the, like the characters also love each other and it also ends with a PSA of two hunky shirtless dudes explaining um, how all the props were fake, so don't do it at home. And they introduced themselves as, we're, hi, we're the Fairly Brothers, which is a very funny joke. Nice, nice. All right, we got three more movies before we reach our blind buy. I haven't seen any of these, so take it, Yeah, here's some new movie stuff. First up, I've got The Witches of the Orient, which is from Kim Stim. This is a documentary that I really, really liked from last year about the 1964 Japanese Olympic volleyball team who were dubbed the Oriental Witches in, like, press and everything. And they became a huge deal, kind of like a huge media deal, um, not just in Japan, but in France as well. And this film's actually made by a French director. And in France, they became kind of these like celebrities. They had an anime show that was based on them and it became this big thing. So he kind of makes this documentary about them using archival footage from like videos that were or film that was made of their training sessions because they were basically all like factory workers who were kind of like assembled into a team to compete at the Olympics. And they kind of did it as like on their spare time, but they trained in a very like hard kind of strict sort of way. Um, but they were all like intense players. They were great. And then they just became these sort of like real life superheroes across the world for, for a time. And they won so many matches in a row. Yeah. So he tells the story using that archival footage. He uses clips from the anime show that was based on them. It's just a really, really great um, found footage sports documentary uh, with a really cool score and everything. So I would definitely say check that out. And then there's also Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes, which is a Japanese film. So I saw that as I said, Fantasia last year. And this is one of the most this is one of the most fun sort of like DIY movies I saw last year. So its whole conceit is that it's a one take time travel movie. And I think they obviously shot it in a few different takes, but masked it really well. But it takes place in sort of like a in a cafe in Japan, and the cafe owner lives in an apartment above the cafe. And he finds out that his computer screen in his apartment is broadcasting the surveillance into the cafe, but it's doing so like five minutes in the future. And so he keeps like going upstairs and going downstairs and the camera keeps following him back and forth and back and forth and looking at the screen as it's like playing in the future. And then those things that he just watched on the screen play out immediately when he goes back down to the cafe and vice versa. And then it gets even wilder and more out of control because more people come into it and then they start reflecting computer screens off of computer screens. So it like um, creates an even bigger time jump where they're seeing things happening farther in the future and it just spirals spirals like way out of control in like a perfect way it's super short it's only like 70 minutes long because i don't think you can really sustain that kind of thing for much longer probably but uh it was definitely one of the most creative things i saw last year and it's just so much fun it's light it's just like it's a real good time if you just want like a really fun sort of like movie that riffs on time travel paradoxes and stuff got picked up it's only been released in Canada, as far as I know. Oh, this feels like uh, a Vinegar Syndrome partner arm is like cracking their knuckles. Yeah, because it's been released here in Canada by a distributor called IndieCan, which usually just distributes Canadian, like Indie Fair, like smaller Canadian Indie Fair. But they get a few foreign films here and there. I would say this is probably their biggest acquisition I've ever seen, though, because this played a lot of festivals last year beyond just Fantasia. And they put out a really nice Blu-ray of it that we have on the shelves. Uh, it's got some features. It's got, you know, funky little slip cover on it. And I would, I'm probably going to pick up one of these myself because it's just, it's just a total blast. The actors are all so much fun. They all have so much chemistry. They have like outtakes of them making it at the end and everybody just looks like they're having such a good time. Um, so yeah, I would highly, highly recommend this one. And then uh, we're going to move on to some VOD schlock territory. Uh, the next one I have not seen. It's called Hide and Seek. It's a new thriller with 
Jonathan Reese Myers and Joe Pantoliano, I believe. Joey Pants is in Let here. Let me look up Jonathan Reese Myers' uh, recent things that he said. I'm sure there's nothing. Oh, no. Anyways, um, the only reason I'm mentioning this is because, yeah, I haven't seen it, but it is actually a remake of a, so it's a psychological thriller, but it's a remake of a Korean movie from 2013, I think, by a director called Jung Ha. And also called Hide and Seek. And I've seen the original film. And the original film is actually really, really good. So I w- <laughs> Spoiler alert. I bet you this one is not. It's probably not. But we have the original one at the store for rent. So I would say definitely check that out. And I think it's definitely noteworthy because it's kind of a play. It, it revolves around class issues. Basically about around this rich guy who finds out that his brother might be dead. And his brother was living, was poor. And he was living in this kind of like poor... Uh, apartment complex and so it, and it kind of revolves around the class issues between the two of them and i think it does a thing oh kind of does what parasite end up doing and getting like super acclaimed for way earlier than parasite did and honestly kind of in a bit more of a clever way i want to say but it's a movie that never really got much attention like i hadn't even really heard about it until th- i heard this remake was coming out and then it prompted me to go back and check this one out but i would say check out the original film it's quite excellent and it's creepy too super creepy finally people may be wondering wait but they haven't done a blind buy and this is because yeah have they given that no it's because we saved the best for last and that is redstone yeah and it's our blind buy this week You know, I felt like we needed to get back to some, like, new VOD schlock for our blind buy component. Yeah, I told Mark, give me the most generic thing that you have, please. (laughs) Well, you know, if I'd known you hadn't seen Going Ape, I probably would have pushed harder for that. But, you know. Uh, We're Neil McDonough fans, right? We love the guy. We are huge Neil McDonough fans. And as soon as this movie, I saw this movie was coming out, Neil McDonough is the star of it. Is he? (laughs) Well, that's the thing. He's not. Well, he kind of is. I mean, he kind of is. So basically, this is like a Texas shot neo noir type thing, which we've seen thousands of times before about a kid who, you know, his brother's involved in like the local gang trade drug trade or whatever oh just, just a, a little shit of kid. a kid too yeah we'll right anyways him. his brother gets killed he witnesses it he has this this diamond this ruby sorry that his brother stole and basically uh, it's a red stone thank you very much stone. and right, this was right. clearly and clearly trying to rip off yellowstone as well exactly exactly anyways he goes on the run from basically the mafia types potential corrupt cops all this and neil mcdonough plays a hitman for this mob, this Texas mob that's basically hunting him down. But, you know, he's kind of like a soft, he's become a softy at heart. You know, it opens up and his, his, he's dealing with a tragedy himself. So when he goes out, out to get this kid, he sort of warms to him, I guess, a little well, bit. What's weird about this film is it feels like just one long first act of another yeah, movie. Yeah, I agree. I thought like... I saw, like, I would check the time at one point. It was, like, an hour into it. And I'm like, oh, wow. I, I feel like we're not even, like, really into this yet. Like, nothing like has happened. It's, like, an hour like, and a half long movie. Because you think Neil McDonough's going to meet the kid and decide, okay, I'm going to protect you. Let's deal with this. That's not, re- that's not what happens. Not really. He kind of spends the whole movie, like sort of haphazardly chasing him like he'll find him but then let the kid get away like so easily so much of the time the kid is constantly running He's away constantly running this is classic we're trying to make 90 minutes lots of shot of people walking through frames right cinema. i mean i got the sound i mean i looked this director up and he's made a few like vod type features before but i got the sense this was like maybe a short film that he'd expanded which it doesn't seem to be but uh it does have that vibe it though. does have that vibe I wouldn't say it's badly made, though, necessarily. Like, I was kind of into the style of it at first. No, it's fine, and there's some effort to it, but there's just not enough, like, details to, like, what's happening. And then it wraps up really fast, but sorry. At the end, like, you know, the gunshots are trying to do, like, practical effects. Like, someone gets shot in the eye, and you see it go really fast, but it's just, like, it's just barely holding together. (laughs) Like, it is better than like the billy zane action films we've watched where those are clearly just money laundering operations there's definitely some craft and i mean i even recognize some names some technical names in the credits like um skip skip leavesay i don't know if you know that name it's he's like a sound guy who basically is like the sound guy for the comb brothers movies and like tons of big movies 
And so it, there's definitely some, you know, accomplished, like, mainstream professional film people on this. And it has a certain level of sheen like to it. Like, when it started, there's, like, a shot of Neil McDonough, like, explaining how, like, a lot of people in his family died. And I'm like, oh, this is style. It's just pretty cool. And it's just fine. But I was never really engaged with it. It felt long. And, like, it never, like, got going pretty well, much. Well, it's predictable, right? Like, it, it pretty much goes exactly where you think it's going to go. And even when, like, it gets to a point where it's sort of like you think it's kind of the end, but there's still, like, you know, 20 minutes left in the movie, you're like, oh, I see where this is kind of going to go. And then it goes exactly there and ends up in the same kind of shootout that these things always kind of end up as. I like Neil McDonough. I, I still always like him. He's always good in it. I just, he's such a, he's such a great actor. He's so hypnotic, you know. I could just stare at his face for hours, I feel, and be satisfied. But would I recommend this movie? I would not. It's the kind of thing I'm like, if you stumbled across it, like on TV or something, like, you know watch some of it and see how you feel but i don't know there's not even enough neil mcdonough i would say i feel like if there was more neil mcdonough like if it was all him i think i, I would make be, this an easy yeah, recommendation but, there is but too it's much one of those kid. classic like we probably had him for two to three days situation well see you say that but then i was looking this movie up and the director so there's actually what looks like a sequel in the works to this with both the director and Neil McDonough back again. And Neil McDonough is co-writing the sequel with the director. So if you look up his filmography, there's a movie called Boone that he's got coming out soon. And Boone is the is Neil McDonough's character name in this movie, oh, Redstone. Man, maybe I check it out. I don't know. Like, and it's yeah, better. it's in post-production. It's directed by the same guy. It's written and directed by McDonough and this director, Derek Presley. And it's talking about how, yeah, this Nick Boone guy and... The, I guess the mother, I think, of the kid in this movie, Redstone, kind of go on the run from people. I don't know. It's a, But it's weird. You look it up and it doesn't officially indicate that it's a sequel anywhere, but it's like it's the same character name. It's like he's involved again. So I guess this is maybe the first part of a series. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be there next time when the sequel comes out. I wish they called this one Boone, you know? So just... that's it for this week's uh, Titles of the Bay Street Video Podcast. We're getting back to regular, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. Whew. Uh, no more months-long breaks. No more months-long. I know. So until next week, my name's Justin the Clue. And I'm Mark Hansen. Keep on buying. Yo, McDonough Films, we got them all. He's in everything. These movies and many more are available at your local video store. What is, has he starred in any movies? Well, that's why I was so interested in this one, because it looked like he had a starring role, you know? I mean, all the movies I remember him in the most, he just has like a supporting role, but it's like so juicy that it just stands out above anything else. I mean, he does have a sizable part in an upcoming Bruce Willis movie, which we'll be talking about soon. Oh, but... of course. Willis Watch coming soon. Yeah, in the next episode, so...